Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 135. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at the Journeyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? I'm doing great, John. We are both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Awesome, Nick. Hey, you know, I know uh, my colleagues don't actually listen to the podcast because none of them have asked me to say uh, a journey to cloudy enlightenment yet. That's I'm just waiting for that day. Yeah. Well, I figured they'd want you to say smash that subscribe button (laughs) or that they were asking questions about the Twitch channel that's coming. Right. Uh, Twitch is owned by Amazon. Anyway. uh, That's a (laughs) no-no. Today we're talking to Blake Johnson. And uh, I wanted to get your idea on why we initially invited him to uh, come in for an interview. So we had some previous episodes with Randall Cook where we talked about food choices and how that can help us get better fuel, help our careers. So Blake has a background in coaching, training, fitness. He's been a general manager, a business owner. He owns his own company, Manifest Fitness. He's he's someone who currently works in sales, background in English rhetoric and biology. I thought it would be really interesting to get his take on some ways that we as professionals could become more fit and how that could help us actually perform better in the workplace. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a really good uh, nugget for an invite. I also think that it's important, you know, we wanted to talk to somebody outside of the tech industry every once in a while who has just, you know, direct experience helping people to maximize job performance. So any kind of like coaching outside of, you know, traditionally who we talk to in tech operations or or whatever it is that, you know, we think our normal guests are. Um, Blake's particular focus was doing that through fitness, which I thought was interesting. You know, like you said, different from Randall Cook um, episodes, what, 101 and 102, where we were talking about food. So a little bit different, but I think also related. Right. So um, fitness is something that we in the tech industry don't have like a great reputation on. So I thought, you know, man, this is like kind of a cool opportunity for us to talk about that, too. And and, you know, hopefully there's people out there who have that as one of their blockers. You know, you know, it's one of the things that blocks them from maximizing their their career potential. And this might be one of those like catalyst moments to help them change. I guess we probably shouldn't sell Blake's like career journey short too. He had interesting transitions from, you know, his studies into sales and then hybrid management roles, like you mentioned, uh, back to an individual contributor in sales and, and running his own business on the side. But okay, uh, rather than just like, you know, giving too much of a preview, which we you know, traditionally always do, um, let's uh, get right into this first part of our interview with Blake Johnson.
Blake Johnson, thanks so much for joining us on the Nerd Journey today. Guys, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Let's start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do today. Man, who who am I? Uh, I am a simple salesman uh, that loves loves people, passionate about people, and uh, have a lot of different backgrounds. So, man, it's I wish it was an easy one liner. Let's talk about that background for a second, because if memory serves, you have a background in English rhetoric and biology. Yeah, I uh, I think I'm the perfect millennial when it comes to doesn't quite know exactly what they want to do, but just wants to do everything. Um, so I got my first uh, first degree in English rhetoric. I took an English class when I was a business major, and it just absolutely blew my mind. Big fan of having to actually explain your answers, which uh, English really forced me to think outside the box. Fell in love with it, super passionate about it. Once I got done with school, realized my thought, uh, my thought process was law school, realized that that's not quite what I was passionate about. I was more passionate about the, the people than I was the, the profession. Um, you know, I started doing what I loved. I was a college football player. So, you know, strength conditioning, followed that, realized, hey, I really, really like this. Love science. Got another biology degree, uh, thinking I was going to do something in that field and kind of loved every second of it. Super, super passionate about biology. But again, just I love people more than I love the, the profession. So, you know, here I am just, just withering away and living the dream. <laughs> That's awesome. Can you uh, maybe inform me uh, or educate me on what English rhetoric is as opposed to just straight rhetoric? Yeah, so it's really just an English degree with a with a focus in rhetoric. Um, it's it's a simple rhetoric degree, but there's no like college of rhetoric where I went. But I I, I spent most of my time focusing on the Greeks. Uh, so big big classical Greek guy. Got it. Okay, cool. Thanks. So, what is the story then of how you um, got that second degree and then ended up in the sales profession? Oh man, <laughs> it's uh. You know, I, I, I moved to I moved to Texas after after graduating. Just decided, hey, if I'm going to go to school, I'm going to stay in Texas. My I have a little bit of family here, and you know, went down to Baylor University in, in Waco, Texas, and they have an incredible uh, pre med uh, program. If I was going to do something, that was the that was the focus. So, um, you know, biology was great. It was it was incredible. It, it really forced me to think and and really like expand my comfort zone. Um, but again, just you know, at the end of the day, you know, it was it was a situation where at the end, you know, the English degree inside me, the philosopher inside me says life is far too short to, to you know, not maximize everything you want to do. And I, you know, I thought, you know, either sitting behind a beaker or sitting in an operating room, you know, for the rest of my life wasn't going to maximize, I think, my, my possible impact on people. So sales, I'm in front of people all the time, uh, talking to people from different backgrounds and you know, to me, that's that's the dream is, you know, I get to meet all kinds of people, you know, it's the best. <laughs> now, did you have sales jobs along the way while you were in school or did you get out of school and then, you know, trip and fall into one? Kind of. Um, I was a strength conditioning coach. So uh, we, we talked that like we don't like to talk numbers. We're not salesmen in that situation. But our product is is who we are and who we are is our product. So <clears throat> I did I did sales from that perspective, uh, you know, making sure clients were getting taken care of, taking athletes to next levels. And then as I got really comfortable in that role, uh, I talked to my general manager at the time and said, hey, I definitely want more of the business side. You know, my, my dad was a banker. I've been around business my whole life. And I'm like, hey, 
I want to understand that part because I'm not good at it. I can't sell myself. So how can I? And then once I became a general manager, I was like, this is so easy. Like you guys are rock stars. I can sell y'all all day. Like the product is simple, uh, but it really took me to, to actually get out of that role to be able to sell it. That general manager title can mean a lot of different things. What, what exactly did it mean for you while you did it? Yeah. So, so in the sports performance world, it was very general. Um, I was in charge of our books. I was in charge of our sales. I was in charge of our staff. I was also coaching at the time. So I was doing a little bit of everything. Um, but really the focus was, you know, take facility from point A to point B as quickly and as efficiently as possible while making sure that the product and the, and the community was, was taken care of. So, you know, it was a very simple goal with a lot of different pulling parts. Um, and it was a blast. So would it be fair to say you were kind of in charge of uh, owning the profit and loss of a single facility? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If, if something was wrong, it was up to me or it was my fault. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Cool. It's interesting because, you know, a lot of who we talk to are technology people, right? And at the same time, both Nick and I have backgrounds in, you know, IT and technology, but now we're nominally in positions which are closely associated with sales. You know, what's called pre-sales tech engineering or um, pre-sales technology. It's called a lot of different things. But that aspect of selling, a lot of times people start to feel divorced or perceive that they will be divorced from the underlying thing. So if you are in strength and conditioning, and instead of just doing that, you are helping to sell it, then there's this perception that you become separated from the underlying practice. Um, is that just a perception or is that, uh, you know, to a certain degree, a reality for you? I, I think when I was just a coach, I wanted nothing to do with it. Um, you know, I'm going to focus on my thing and, you know, that's what the salespeople are for. You know, they're the ones who are wheeling and dealing and dealing with all that. I'm just going to focus on showing up and doing my job. And, you know, that was my perception. I had a tough time, you know, if anytime someone's like, ah, well, you know, I'm like, yeah, you're right. Totally, totally get it. I understand. And I think once I was able to step back from my role and kind of look at it from a, you know, outside perspective, I understood the selling portion, how important it was to my job. And it really, I think, made me a better salesperson and ultimately a better coach uh, in, in strength conditioning because not only did I understand the product, but then I also understood the value of the product to the consumer, um, in, in this case, our athletes. And when I was able to put both of those together, it, it was so easy because now there's no middleman. It was, hey, you're working with me. Here's what we're going to do. Here's why it's going to be the best. And um, I mean, life honestly changed so much better uh, once the, all that got connected because, yeah, there's definitely a disconnect when it comes to sales and all, all really all industries. There's the salespeople. And um, I think it's easy to kind of, you know, perceive it that way. That's so funny. Like, and interesting, too. I think more interesting than funny. What is interesting about that is that what you just said was your value as a practitioner, you felt went up. Once you were able to align your practice with the value that was being de derived from the people that you were working with or for. And I think that's a lesson that people in technology often don't learn, 
I, I know I didn't learn it until I was actually in technical sales, right? The joke I was always made was like, you know, we were on backup version two and I was trying to get my boss to go to backup version four. And he's like, why? And I was like, well, it's, it's twice as good. It's, you know, version two to version four. And he just didn't care, right? So I needed, in order to convince him to do something, you know, that I thought was important, I needed to align it with something that he valued, which I had no idea what it was and no idea how to position that. Um, and that is, it would have made me a more effective practitioner of information technology, but I had no idea how to do it. So it sounds like it's like a similar road that you went down as well. Am I, am I off base? No, no, absolutely. And, and I saw a lot of that, like in my first degree, liberal arts, it's all Socratic, we're all talking. It's all very understand everything from every side, but you know, when I'm in biology and I'm in these anatomy classes and we're cutting up, you know, cadavers and all this, it's, it's very, Hey, a is A, B is B. There you go. It wasn't like, hey, how can we make sure A and B correlate to each other? And, um, you know, working in operating rooms, it's all very machine-like. It's all very, I mean, it's all systems. It's all systems. And, and obviously these systems make it work. Um, I think being able to look at these systems and understand them from multiple ways, um, whether it was through sales or, or um, you know, even previous jobs, it really made me understand everything about the job. And even though I didn't have to do everything about the job, it really made it easy for me to understand, empathize, sympathize, and work really well as a team member in those situations because I had to step back instead of just being Blake is a, you know, person B, Blake understood what person B is doing. And it, it, yeah, absolutely helped. There's something to that as well, you know, to John's point. Sometimes people in a technology role get stuck in their bubble and they don't really see how what they do fits with what the company does because they've never been shown or helped to understand how what they do impacts the company's bottom line or fits within the goals and missions of the company. Some of that it can be done in just immersing yourself and learning more about the business processes inside, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even from strength and conditioning, you know, we had some coaches who wanted nothing to do with the bottom line. They did not care about the numbers they had. As long as the lights were on, they're going to show up and coach and leave. And that's, and that's great. They were great coaches. Then you had some salespeople who did not care what the thing on the turf looked like. They did not care who, what was happening. As long as the money was hitting the chair, like that's all they cared about. Um, but you know, being, you know, I was with the same company for six years, the people who wanted to understand both and, and really took the time, even if it didn't really impact their job, those are the ones who are the successful ones. Those are the ones who are able to stay on and really push out of what they consider their ceilings. And, um, I mean, obviously everyone's different and we all have different motivations, different goals. And, you know, some people are totally cool just being in their little bubble. I think, I think for me, especially, I, I, I was never one of those people that like to just, you know, stay in one place. And I really wanted to learn everything about everything, hence the, <laughs> the multi-degrees. Yeah, that's so fascinating. It's, it's fascinating to hear how aligned your experiences are with experiences that I've had in like completely different, you know, subject uh, matter domains, right? Even you were talking about, you know, you know, studying anatomy and doing dissection. And I, you know, it immediately kind of struck me that I'm sure that like the human body is like a series of interlocking systems uh, that affect each other in the same way that like 
you know, business and technology systems are interlocking systems that affect each other. And, you know, and, and probably the same way that like uh, an automobile is a series of interlocking systems, right? That, uh, that if we uh, took a step back that, you know, there, there's, there's an analogies in, in understanding that, that maybe we shouldn't like blind ourselves to. Like I, I, I went through some physical therapy, like, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. And I had my physical therapist tell me, Hey, you need to like exercise your hip joint, like a ball and socket joint, not like a, like a one way joint because it is a ball and socket joint and you can't just use it in one direction or else you're, you're going to wear it out in that direction. I was like, how can I have gone through like, you know, a class called physical education for, you know, close to 20 years in, in primary and secondary school and have not a single thought like about that. Oh, ball and socket joints need to be worked on as ball and right. socket joints. And, and probably like an automotive person would say something similar, like, Oh, Hey, you can't just like only steer to the right on this car or you're going to wear it out. <laughs> like you're going to wear out the tires. You're going to wear out the steering. You're going to wear out the wheel alignment, you know? Okay. None of that was a question. It was just something that you made me think. There he goes again. I love it. It's uh, it's, it's one of those situations where, you know, I, I used to laugh, you know, I would be the, the perfect stereotypical, like 1970s, like Cheech and Chong best friend in the van. Just like my mind is blown at every single thing I read when it's like whether it's philosophy or like biology or like systems and processes and how really everything isn't that different. We're, we're all in our own little worlds, focusing our own things. And we're the, we're the main character to our movies um, and our own in our every system at the end of the day is very, very similar. And I think once we can kind of break down those, those differences and kind of say, Hey, you're a, a master technician and, and this guy is a, you know, nanobiologist, y'all do the same thing in a different way. Um, it really makes it easy um, to connect to people and, uh, you know, passionate about people. So that's, that's my favorite, you know, try to bury, uh, you know, try to break the barrier is, you know, make those connections. Because of the fact that you're talking about helping people with fitness, nutrition, personal coaching, as opposed to, giving them a thing or selling them a product, does that somehow feel like it's more important because it's impacting their bodies than selling an object, selling software? Is there more pressure because of that? I, I cannot imagine that anything is more important than correctly selling software, but I am fascinated to hear this answer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're talking major league to like to rookie ball. Yeah. Far different. Uh, no, I mean, I think for me, uh, understanding the needs of, of that person, whether it is a physical need, whether it's a software need, whether it's a business need, uh, at the end of the day, we're all just trying to fulfill needs and, and serve others based on what they need. So I think because it's human to human and, you know, I, I'm passionate about people. I want everyone to live forever and just be super happy and no one's sad and there's no Twitter or nothing. Everything's great. I love Twitter, by the way. Viva Blake. Follow me if you want. I, I think the person to person is important, but I've, I've also been, I'm currently in a job where I'm not selling, you know, human changing things. I'm, I'm, I'm selling a product to a consumer, but we can make, we can make that same transaction just as important. You know, we don't have to, you know, trivialize, say, oh, I'm just selling software. 
man, I'm selling software that's going to change this person's business. It's going to emphasize this thing and everyone's life is going to be better because of this transaction. See, now he's just playing to what you wanted to hear, John. I think that was like, that was totally coached. Did you, did you guys talk before this? <laughs> all the, uh, all the software sales uh, hiring managers are, are looking you up on LinkedIn. <laughs> Hit me up y'all. I'm happy to talk. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, do I feel a little bit more pressure? Yeah, because it's you know, it's a whole human and I'm, I'm trying to change their life to a, you know, most people don't come come to a coach when they're at their best. Most don't. Majority of them will be less than their ideal form or, or feel. Uh, so in that in that situation, yeah, I definitely think there's pressure only because I want to succeed as much as I think they want to succeed. You know, at least in my perspective, it's a lot more fun because of that like human to human interaction versus like the product. Because once a product exchanges hands, typically it's unless you keep up with them and just say, Hey, how you doing? How's that product treating you? It's, it's pretty much a, you know, A to B transaction. We're done uh, where, Hey, remember two years ago when you were miserable and now you feel great. How are you kind of situation? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. There's probably a little bit different intimacy level. Like you said there with the, with the coach and and the player, if you will, or the person being coached. Yeah, I like that analogy because you're you're going to be you're going to do sessions with them on a particular schedule to make sure that you're making progress and help them measure it toward that goal. It's not that you wouldn't have that, you know, with a customer that you sold software to and you want to help them be successful with it because I definitely see that side too. But to your point, uh, when you're when you're selling. Uh, some other product, some kind of widget, right? You may not be doing that. I'll tell you, it automatically makes me think that maybe the most successful people at software sales, software sales do that, exactly what you're talking about, kind of measure towards success on a regular basis, maybe even weekly, and and you know, stay intimately, you know, entwined in the success of the person that they're selling to, you know, and that means like, you know, Hey, your success is my success, right? That, that when you do well, it reflects well on me and hopefully vice versa. And it's not a, a zero sum game where if I'm winning, that means you're losing, right? It should theoretically mean that we're winning at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think as, as, you know, the world continues to change and technology takes over. I mean, we just got out of a year where human to human interaction wasn't a thing and we had to, you know, find creative ways to, to kind of create that. I think that's what's going to separate, you know, success versus, you know, average. It's going to it's going to take, you know, that extra effort, that the extra humanity, I think, in this ever changing world where we have instant gratification. We can buy things instantly. It's there the next day. We don't even have to talk to anyone anymore. Um, I think the people that can you know, find a, find a creative way to, to continue that humanity and that, that actual relationship with people. Um, that's, what's going to, that's what's going to make the difference. You're going to go back to the person who made you feel good. You know, if, if everything else is the same, if, if you have two companies and both are going to make you successful, you're probably going to go with the person that you enjoy being around, or at least feel that, that, that pull towards. And that's something that's always struck me as I would think it'd be obvious guys treat everyone well, take care of them, make these you know, situations really easy to, you know, maneuver together. I'm going to keep that in my back pocket and anyone who wants to take it can take it, but it's, it's wild. I mean, it, 
you would think that it's something that you would need to keep a secret advantage, but it seems like enough people don't care. <laughs> it's, you don't need to keep it a secret <laughs> and it can just be an advantage, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think probably enough people think about it as a zero sum game where, you know, in order for them to win, somebody else has to lose. <laughs> you know, and every single transaction is like that or interaction is like that. I I wonder because, you know, what's fascinating about what you just said was, you know, you you kind of like in doing that discussion sold me on the idea of, you know, making positive human interaction a kind of important part of my career success. But, you know, one of the businesses that you're in is more about strength and conditioning. And so like the physical body and the fitness, is there an aspect of that that can also be like an advantage to career success? Uh, anecdotally, yes. Scientifically, yes. A million percent. I could talk about this for days. A healthy body, healthy mind. I mean, life changes so much when your body's working well and you're feeling good and you're just putting endorphins in your body, your mind is clear, and then you're able to conquer everything else that the day is going to throw at you because the world's not going to get easier for anyone. The, the noise is not going to go away. We can only can control what we can control. Um, and, and honestly, I think the biggest uh, you know, culprit or the biggest helper is, is our brain and our mental health. Um, and you know, mental health, physical health, they, they go hand in hand. Um, and absolutely, when it comes to you know, changing people's lives, getting them up, getting them moving. Uh, you know, I have clients who, you know, they lost a ton of weight, but they, they don't even talk about the weight anymore. They say, man, I, I can't imagine not doing something every day because it just makes my day better and it makes me a lot more pleasant. Um, so yeah, absolutely. When it, when it comes to, you know, I think success, it definitely doesn't, it doesn't hurt. You know, obviously we, we have people who are successful from all walks of life with all different passions and, you know, you don't have to do one thing to be successful, but I can say in terms of my life, you know, anecdotally, I can talk about the people around me in my life, uh, the ones who, if nothing else, at least fake it and really enjoy it and, and look like they're having a blast. Um, they're the ones who, you know, take care of themselves. And that doesn't mean that they're strict. That doesn't mean it's not fun. Like I, I just had, you know, right before I got on, you know, I, I came home and had some pizza. I mean, pizza's great. Enjoy it. Live life. But there, there's simply a way to to really, you know, turn health into something that's super simple. And I just think we live we live in a society that just makes it hard. It makes it, you know, messy and noisy and, you know, cheap alternatives are, are less good or this used to be good, but now it's bad. This is bad. Now this is good. Uh, there's just a lot of noise out there. And, uh, you know, that's something that I've always tried to, you know, cut through, uh, whether it's for me or for other people. We also seem to be going through like a phase in society where people are looking for shortcuts like the, you know, and that is true of both like fitness and like money and career, right? They're like people would rather be sold on like a fad diet or a fad exercise than do like kind of what is a little bit more simple, you know, and kind of known for a long time. And they'd rather like, you know, invest in cryptocurrency than, you know, save money <laughs> and not, not spend it. Right. <laughs> so it, I, I don't know exactly how that, how that's happened, but um, 
Can you maybe talk about like your general philosophy of fitness, of strength and conditioning? I would I would love to hear about it, and then you know maybe we could talk about how that applies to you know um, make people you know more self actualized. Yeah. Before absolutely. you do that, does this mean that I need to return that detox stuff that I bought online? That's going to make me skinny. Probably. I hate to. I hate to break it to you, man. That great marketing. That's a great business. That's one piece of that process. I mean, they did great. I'll job. just stick to coffee then. All right. <laughs> as long as it's black, we're good. Yep. All day long and hot. My man. None of this yeah. cold brew uh, stuff. No, we drink coffee and tea the right way. Hot. Exactly. Personal philosophy, uh, kind of just piggybacking on, I think we do live in society that it's all instant gratification, but that's been the case forever. I wish we could pretend that like this generation is the worst generation and we're the ones who are, we've all been this way since, since Adam and Eve, everyone wants the shortcut. They want the apple. They want, you know, if you, there's my favorite, some of my favorite gym pictures are like in the 1870s and, you know, people are on all these weird contraptions to lose belly fat and look great. And I mean, we're in 2021 and we're all having these pills and, you know, eat nothing but, you know, fat and lard and no carbs. and You're going to be skinny and your heart's not going to explode. And don't do keto, by the way. It's not good for you. In terms of my health and fitness philosophy, so I get I get excited when, when we talk about history and stuff. Personally, it is move around and feel and, and do what makes you feel good, right? If 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 working out in the gym two hours a day um, is motivating to you and is exciting for you, go for it. There are tons and tons of benefits of you know strength and strength training. If going on a run for however long is what you love. Go for it. There's so many benefits to cardiovascular endurance. Um, if it's literally, hey, I hate doing all of that, but I love playing with my dogs. Great. Now do it outside or do it to where you can actually play with them and not just throw a ball at them. Um, it's finding creative ways to just stay moving, right? Because, you know, if we can do everything in our power to, you know, reduce our you know excess body fat, keep our heart healthy, keep our organs healthy, keep all these processes healthy, right? If, if our if our if our body's a giant car, do we want to look like a Prius or do we want to look like a uh, a Lamborghini? We probably want to look like a Lamborghini. The Lambos take premium fuel, Priuses take unleaded. I mean, they're let's put premium stuff. So when it comes to food, you know, you don't have to go organic, you don't have to go crazy, but stick with actual food, stick with raw ingredients, stick with cooking it yourself. You know, if 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 it's bad food, at least you made it, right? It's you know, you don't have anyone else to blame simplicity is, is, is so important. There's cause there's so many fads or something. Hey, if you just do this and this and this, and then follow this 30 step plan, you'll be great. Okay. Or we'll cut out 28 of those, drink a lot more water, move around a little bit more and you'll feel great. You know? Yeah. I think, I think it's, it just, it's simplified. There's a lot of noise in the world. There's a lot of different things popping up every single day. Focus on what makes you motivated to do that. And, uh, that's where the success comes from. That's where I've seen clients who've stayed with me for years and years is because we've been able to find those and not, hey, here's a super great workout plan that only worked for me one time, but I'm going to give it to you and it doesn't work for you. I'm so sorry. See you later. How did those folks get started? I mean, they come to you because they obviously want to make some sort of change, right? Hopefully by the time you talk to them, they're bought in on, I need to change something. But how do you tell someone who's become very sedentary, where, where can they get started? They don't know if they like working out. They don't know if they like running. You know, 
Maybe they just know very little. Yeah, there is there's no uh, negative to asking. There is no downside of just reaching out and asking. If you if 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 someone came up to me and said, "Hey, man, I just don't know what I really like. Is there anything?" I can give you 10 things. And if none of those work for you, there's no downfall to that. We can continue the conversation or you can walk away and nothing changed except where you had a weird conversation with the dude who just wants to talk all the time. Truly, the biggest thing is until you know that you want to make a change, I can't do that for you. I can't teach you heart. I can't, I can't make you want something. I can give you the tools to get you where you want to go. Uh, but I, I'll, I'll tell clients all the time. I've I worked with athletes who are who should be Hall of Famers, but they just did not care that much. And there's nothing I could say as a coach. There's nothing I could say as a trainer that would motivate them because at the end of the day, if it's not if it's not internalized, if it's not you know coming from within, I mean, it's going to be you know superficial. I, I've convinced a couple of people, and then they stayed on for a month or two and haven't heard from them since. I wonder if if this is a, an issue. I've noticed that different people get different different like dopamine responses from different things it, to different degrees. So somebody might get like an incredible rush from exercising, no matter like how extreme or how not extreme the exercise is, they get like an incredible dopamine rush. And somebody else might do the exact same thing and be at the exact same fitness level and not get that kind of emotional response at all. Um, or even a negative one, like have it more feel like punishment. Is that something you've ever come across or um, had to, to deal with and, and work around? Absolutely. I mean, first off, I absolutely hated working out, running anything. Like when I was done in college, I was done forever. I said, I'm never going to lift a weight ever again. I'm never running again. I hate it. It was not fun. I, and I don't know why, because I'm so obsessed with it now. Um but I taste think, buds change, Blake. <laughs> I, I love spicy food now. My wife would be so proud. Yeah, I just, you know, but it, it took me three months post, you know, doing anything to where I woke up when I said, I hate how I feel. I hate everything that's going on right now. What What's the common denominator? Well, I'm not doing, you know, anything for myself anymore. I'm really, so what did I do is I did not work out like I used to during football. I did not go back and start doing a bunch of 100 yard sprints. Um, I said, okay, what am I going to, I got a bicycle. I started riding my bike around campus. I'm like, okay, this is, this is what I needed. I just need to move around a little bit differently. And then I said, okay, you know, now that I start liking the activity, what else can I do? You know, oh, I'm going to go join an intramural team. Okay. Wow. Now I'm running around tricking myself into working out while having a blast doing it. Then it got to the point where I'm like, okay, I kind of miss how I used to look. Now I'm going to get back into the gym, but I'm not going to follow what I used to do. I'm going to focus on what I want to focus on. And, you know, at that point I became my own guinea pig and, uh, you know, dragged myself out. And now again, obsessed with it because I've seen, you know, both sides of the spectrum where I absolutely used to hate it and I love it. And the big difference is it's not a job anymore. It's not something I have to do. It's something that like I'm internally, I like doing it. It's, it's for me at this point versus for someone else, because growing up, I didn't think I needed to work out. I'm just going to work out for the coach. I'm going to work out for the team. I have to do this. Uh, I think when it started becoming for me is when I was able to really take a, take a hold of it and, and make it my own. And I mean, 10, 15 years later, I'm loving every second of it. Again, you know, I can't help but feel and hear 
the parallels to the business that, you know, I grew out of, which was IT, which is, you know, kind of like, hey, we don't want to spend any time and energy on modernization. What we're doing kind of right now is good enough and and maybe we're kind of digging a little hole, but if I don't pay attention to that hole that's being dug, then it's not real. And, uh, you know, maybe someday a bill will have to be paid, but it will be paid by future us. And maybe I won't even be around to pay the bill. Um, so it, it really feels, you know, very similar to, you know, not just like, you know, personal lives, but professional lives as well. Like, you know, it's, you know, we do that with business processes, with software, with, you know, sometimes even with like, you know, facilities and, and people, you know. Um, so it's, it's, that's it's a fascinating thing to hear that I also wonder about like incremental change, right? Because again, back to the parallel, if somebody came to me and said, hey, you know, we have all these outdated systems, how do, you know, we want to modernize, like, how do we, how do we get to the, the, the gleaming future me, you know, is the answer probably isn't like, you know, rip out everything, abandon everything that you're doing and, and make this like shocking new, you know, change everything all at once. Like that generally feels like it's not going to go well. Right. Right. If you were to rip all the systems out and say, okay, voila, here's your new system. No one knows how to use the new system. What's going to happen? You're going to fail or you're going to go back to the old system because that's what you're used to. That's what you know. That's one thing that especially with, you know, my clients is, is we, we set that expectation. This is not going to happen overnight. This is not going to happen in a month. Now you're going to see some changes in a month, but the, the job's not done in a month. We're going to at minimum do three months and that's the minimum I'll do. And then you know, what's going to happen is after three months, hey, wow, I do feel better, but now I want this. Or now, you know, I, I know this more about myself or, hey, I kind of can change my path. This is where we want to go. Okay, great. Now we're going to focus on this. And I think one saying the expectation, you know, at least from a client's, but even from a business perspective, guys, we're in plan A. We're trying to get to plan, you know, Z. You don't go from A to Z by just skipping everything else. You got to get to B. You got to get to C. Here's how we can get there. Um, I think one, as a salesperson or, or even as an engineer, just understanding the, the limitations or the, under, or the understanding of this is not Rome wasn't built in a day, right? We have to, you know, step by step do it. And then having a realistic and, and, and good conversation about that. Hey, you want to be here? You feel like this? You want to feel like this? Okay, well, we know that this, this and this are affecting that. Let's focus on one of them first. And then once one's focused on, let's get the second one. And then once the second one's done, third one's done. And before you know it, you're going to be exactly where you want to be. But it's also not going to happen overnight because if we try that, you're going to get frustrated. You're going to quit. You're going to go back to what you were doing. And now we're back to point A, frustrated and, you know, probably looking for something else at this point. And what we're talking about really is building better habits, right? Little by little. That's what Absolutely. incremental change does. 100%. Habits. If you, if you can change the system, if you can change the process... Uh, day by day, the system gets better. You can change the small processes to, to optimize the system. That's all you need.
So imagine being coached by someone, John, who loves fitness, but at one point actually hated it. You know, I thought it was super interesting that Blake had this rich history playing football, being in great shape, but he he points out that he was always really doing that for somebody else, and he just stopped doing it because he hated it. And finally he decided, you know what, I don't feel great anymore, and I want to, I need to do something. So he didn't necessarily go back to the same things. He kind of found what worked for him, and I think he's translated that into working with the people that hire him to coach, and he could be creative in the way he does that. And I do think that he sees this as a way to give, give back to others. It reminds me of Give and Take by Adam Grant and the whole used to hate fitness at one time but now love it. All I can think of is Mr. Holland's opus and the story that Richard Dreyfus tells about John Coltrane and hating it oh, at first. I never saw that movie. Have to, it's a good movie. Yeah, I'll have to go check that out. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, I really liked his approach to life performance, like through fitness and like emphasizing that there's no single journey, not saying like, Hey, this is the one true path. And like, you, you have to do this or it's just not going to work. It's like, no, there's no sudden massive changes, but like a path of sustained incremental change. Right. And that's really the only thing that's, that's probably going to work. And I agree with you. It's, it probably takes a coach who can empathize and sympathize and project, you know, into that position of, you know, I haven't necessarily been comfortable myself sometimes being like a workout person to really coach you into being comfortable with, you know, focusing on fitness. If that hasn't been something that you've been doing, you know, your entire life or even just recently, I'm really looking forward to the next episode where we're going to be hearing a little bit more about that approach and and also like his current sales job. Like we haven't really talked about that and, and even how you two actually met. I don't, I don't think we mentioned that in the first episode. That's right? true, John, but you know, that's the stuff that sequels are made of. I think we uh, ended on a cliffhanger. We can't give yes. that away right now. Cannot. There's too much on the line. Cannot. So anything else uh, pop in your mind before we get out of here? I don't think so. Just a reminder that we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. Yeah, it, guys, it would be really helpful um, if you were comfortable you know, giving us that review. It would be really helpful to us. And, and even if it's, a, if it's a critical review, we want to hear those critiques as well. Um, you can always uh, contact us uh, directly as well. Uh, farewell. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at The Journeyman for Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore. Signing off. Adios. Smash that subscribe button. You're nothing.